difference between real life and virtual reality because the experience is getting so clean and crisp now. Yeah. You know, you, you can't tell. For example, movies, you know, you, you look at movies and they're CGI. You, you can't tell if something's real or not. Yeah. And I think that will seep into real life as well. It'll be like, am I really seeing a table out there? Or is that a, is that a virtual reality table? Hello and welcome to the Entrepreneur Success Formula podcast, where we get down to earth with real entrepreneurs who work hard and know that success is more than a mindset because it takes blood, guts and a bucket full of luck to survive and thrive in the world of business today. My name is Damien Mark Smith and I am the host for the show and author of the Entrepreneur Success Formula, How Thriving Business Owners Actually Do It. And in this episode, I am speaking with the marvellous Stephen Wesley, who is an Internet of Things expert, hmm, an MD of Iris IoT, and he's also an integral part of the Northampton Digital Hub, bringing awareness to all things digital in Northampton. So Stephen, welcome to the show! Hi Damien, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. So let's start with, for those who don't know what the Internet of Things is can you give them a um uh, what do they call it a not fool's guide description the, uh, the 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 basics give us the basics what is the internet of things so so it's it's been around for quite a while it's just kind of re, had a rebrand so the internet of things is around connected devices so we've always had for the last decade at least uh, connected machines talking to each other uh, the internet of things is um, devices, sensors, monitors, uh, anything that's carrying data mm -hmm. uh, over the internet, really. Uh, I don't know who came up with the name, the Internet of Things. I think they just kind of thought, because it can be anything to anybody, yeah. uh, there's not a specific name where you can go, yeah, this is what it's about. And it just kind of came around, the Internet of Things. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it depends on what sector you're in and, um, you know, what you want to do with the data and um, the information you collect. But it, it is, yeah, it is connected devices. And uh, if you look at the predictions for connected devices over the next five years, we're talking, you know, 70, 80 billion connected devices. Wow. Absolutely everything is going to be connected. Uh, you know, we're already seeing that from smart fridges to cookers to cars to streetlights. You know, it, it is vast. Um, but yeah, a quick overview. Internet of Things is connected devices. So I know this, this will scare some people. So, for instance, uh, you know, I was on a conference the last, last three days and, and they were looking at, uh, you know, how Facebook algorithm works. And if there's two people in the house and uh, they both like fashion, but yeah. one of them's actually got a bit more money than the other one. Facebook will be able to tell who's who yeah. pretty quickly. Oh, some of the algorithms and, um, you, you know, the processes that go in the background are scary uh, if they're not managed correctly. And yeah. there is that fear, obviously, as we give our data out more and more freely these days, you know, who reads the terms and conditions of when you download the latest app of what you're subscribing yeah. to? So, you know, we've kind of accepted that. But when it starts controlling your life from, you know, from, from your car to your, your alarm system at home, that's when the fear factor really kicks in. Yeah. So we need to have a, a control process of <clears throat> who, who we're allowing into our home, what, what instruments and what, what devices are we allowing uh, into, into our homes as well. Uh, but because we're used to tech, we're used to technology, making our life simpler we kind of um, put that to the side and see the benefits of okay we'll, we'll let them share our data because uh, i want to be able to 
control my heating from 500 miles away. Because <laughs> <laughs> the cat's cold. <laughs> yeah, cold. Well, I've got some, as you'd expect, I've got some great bits of tech in my house. I bet you have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And some of the switches, I won't bore you with the, the, the real boring ones like the electric blanket because I'm very old and I love an electric <laughs> blanket in the winter. But being able to sit at an airport or um, used to sit in an airport and just turn my boy's PlayStation off because <laughs> because I could. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> I love it. Right. We're going to come back to that in a bit, but let's go back to the beginning for a sec. So uh, when did you start the business? Why did you start this particular business? Because I know there's a whole story behind that. And, yep. uh, you know, how did you get your very first customers? Okay, so we've been in the telecoms industry for 25, 30 years, mobile telecoms. Um, we've always looked at innovation, always been excited by innovation. And obviously, the, the, the telecoms industry has been so fast moving. You know, mm. uh, when I started, there were big brick phones, which, um, you know, cost a thousand pounds to buy and um, the running costs were astronomical compared to what we now have which obviously 5g um and it's just come on and leaps and bounds it's always been exciting for me something i've been passionate about something i've loved um so i've been looking at uh, innovation for quite a while we've had some really good hits over the years and one of the focuses we had about seven years ago was to focus on rugged devices rugged mobile phones um, and the reason being um, the longevity of phones, we could see that if you had a phone that was built to be dropped, it would last longer. And then, uh, of course, if we kept phones longer, there is an environmental impact on keeping phones longer. Mm -hmm. So it was a focus from then that um, we thought was um, the way the market would go. Uh, and true, as we now know, very few people update the phones as regularly as they used to. They are keeping them longer because we're now kind of at a plateau where who cares if your camera's a couple of me megapixels than the previous models? And, you know, these are expensive bits of technology we carry around with us. You know, you yeah. can pay over a thousand pounds for the latest flagship phone from, you know, one of the tier one manufacturers. Um, so we looked at the, the, the rugged market and we did very well out of the rugged market. And we bought a global license for a, for a big brand um, to produce a, a rugged handset for them. Uh, and on the roadmap, there was gonna be a rugged tablet. And then we was gonna build a rugged solution or hub to monitor issues in the construction industry. So uh, they have big problems with dust, noise and vibration. So when this uh, company we bought the license from was uh, looking into if we was gonna damage their brand at all, uh, when they was doing their due diligence, they realized that we could produce a handset for them to a standard that the, 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 the brand was known for. But when it come to the ruggedized hub, we'd never built one before. Um, so we kind of started looking into it, put a team on to research of the latest technologies. And to start off with, we just bought one off the shelf uh, from a Chinese partner, uh, changed some software and started playing with different, different technologies. And it was a failure. There was, there was a lot of problems, a lot of things we'd never even thought of to start off with. Uh, we um, were back hauling over Wi-Fi, so we, we didn't have control of the data. It was going to the factory we used surf instead of hours, mm -hmm. and there was an outage. Um, and it was like, wow, these are big worrying things that 
we've, we've got people's data, we've not got full control. Uh, so luckily, uh, another, another partner approached us uh, with a project to monitor CO2 levels in chicken sheds. Well, um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's quite funny because on a Sunday afternoon, I was sitting in a ch chicken shed with 50,000 chickens running wow. around. And I thought, how did I get here? You know, <laughs> how has tech brought me here? But then the next day I was in a big football stadium monitoring crowd control and um, um, occupancy. And it's like, this is bizarre. You know, this is taking us all over the place. Anyway, so we was monitoring chicken sheds and um, uh, we, we partnered with some guys just set up who were ex-Intel and knew about internet security, antennas. Um, and it was a good success for the partner. And what it did for us, it realized that IoT was going to be massive. There were so many different markets um, IoT would fit into. And what it would do, it'd give businesses and, and end users insights into their, into their companies or into their daily life, how they're running you know, their lives. And there was an efficiency. Uh, it was all about efficiencies, money saving. But those efficiencies, of course, also can reduce CO2 levels. Uh, because uh, we're not working as hard. Um, we found it quite exciting. So we then set a virus about three, three and a half years ago, just to focus on IoT. And we knew there was a lot of emerging technologies about to happen. So uh, I won't get too technical, but the, the, these are called LP1s, low powered wide area networks. Mm -hmm. And they were fascinating. So from a, an outsider's point of view, to try and explain what an LP1 is, if you imagine Bluetooth, we all, all know Bluetooth, and you can connect one device to another over about 20, 30 meters. But imagine if you could use roughly the same technology and connect hundreds or thousands of devices over miles using roughly the same technology, and then that's a, a completely different ball game. Mm -hmm. So the technologies that were emerging uh, there was one called Sigfox and another one called Laura, and we started playing with these technologies, and uh, they were just phenomenal. You know, we was um, able to put a hub in one of our offices uh, over in Singapore, and we got in the car with the end sensor and drove for half an hour with this sensor, and it was still talking back to this one hub. And we thought, God, the, the, you know, the possibilities of this, of being able to draw that much data without any infrastructure is incredible. Uh, so we started building solutions, different solutions in different markets. Um, we did a lot in FM. Uh, we did some in agri-tech as well, which was really, really interesting. Um, but our main focus recently in the last year has been the facilities management market. Um, reason being, it, it's a, it was an easy win. It was easy to show uh, the managers of the, these big buildings the insights we could produce um, and the value of those insights. You know, around air quality and occupancy was the biggest. Yeah. Um, the reason being, a lot, a lot of businesses haven't been able to have those insights at a, at a low cost. It's always been quite expensive using. Uh, hardwired technology there's a lot of installs and uh, costs where our our sensors are virtually plug and play you know you put them in place and you've got the data straight away so we be able to give businesses insights into occupancy and a lot of them their businesses wasn't being run the way they thought they was being run so for example 
a meeting, might, meeting room might be showing on a booking system that it's fully booked Monday to Friday to 9.30 to 5.30. But in a reality, we know what life is like, uh, obviously post um, pre-COVID, you know, you're running around busy meetings. You might cancel a meeting or have a meeting cancelled on you, but you're very seldomly going to unbook that meeting room you, you booked a couple of weeks ago. So that meeting room then stays empty. So there's a loss of, um, you know, a space, a utility that's sitting there. So um, the, the truth of the data was businesses weren't using their offices how they thought they were. Yeah. So those insights have heavy value because, um, you know, real estate isn't cheap. So if you can show somebody you're actually only using that office 60% of the time when you thought it was fully booked, then there, there's a problem somewhere. Yeah. What's been um, so we're kind of like playing around with the with the questions now, but the one one that I think that's a, a better way of phrasing the usual question, which is if you had to start again from scratch, what would you do differently? The, the kind of the new version of that is what is a decision you've made that has you know led to a a bigger opportunity, something that's happened which is. You know, it seemed to be an obstacle, which is actually led because that's really how innovation takes place, anyway, isn't it? Yeah. You know, we it find was, problems, and we. It was. It was at the, at the beginning. We was taking any any product, or sorry, any opportunity that was given to us because we was quite excited to learn around um, the different technologies. And what the biggest learning curve I had was we can't do it all. There's there's specialists out there, and, and building partnerships was so important um, because we could build a sensor, um, put it into a system and think, great, and then run it for maybe a month or a couple of months and then, and then find problems. Whereas if we spoke to a specialist from that sector who might have been, uh, for example, we did one uh, on monitoring silos and we thought, yeah, it'll be simple, put a, put a sensor in, we'll be able to measure the level of the grade in a, in a, in a, in a silo spoke to a specialist who'd been doing it for 10 years and we'd never thought about you know if it's uh, grain falls in uh, convex or concave way you've not got the correct reading or the dust that builds up in a silo how are you going to overcome that and it was like it's partnerships you know we need to partner with specialists from different sectors to give yeah. us the best insights so we then kind of took a step back and just thought right we will focus on, on one market which was the fm market to start off with mm -hmm. the, the other thing for us is the technology is moving so quickly um we've kind of held back and on building a lot of end sensors because um the technology is all out already out there but it's going to be superseded again very quickly um for mm. example the mobile networks are now producing these LP1s, releasing low-power wide area networks. They've already got the infrastructure that on, on, on most of their cell sites, their transmitters. Uh, so for us at the moment, when we build a sensor, it has to talk to a gateway to the cloud. In the future, we'll be able to do away with the, the gateway and the sensors will just talk directly to the mobile networks. Wow. So yeah, partnerships were really important. Uh, and being more focused on on certain sectors instead of trying to be um, uh, jack of all trades learn one one specific sector and see what they need and what kind of problems you can solve for them i really love that yeah that's um go on. so the trouble with iot is is you you light the fire 
and there's a eureka moment uh, and it happens every single time we go and see a, a client is you explain what the technology can do and they, they want to build, they want the stage two. What if you had this to this? Can we monitor this? Got it, yeah. Um, you know, going back to the occupancy, um, you know, we were showing people that their buildings weren't being used how they thought they were being built, uh, being used. So the next stage was, well, you've just told us, thank you very much, that we don't use their buildings 40% less than we thought it was being used. How do we educate the people who are, who are making these mistakes? Or can we integrate that into a booking system that if, if somebody doesn't go and use the booking, the room, then it becomes available again? Or can you turn the lighting off in that room if, if nobody's in there? Why are we lighting that room 9.30 to 5.30 if there's nobody in there? Mm. So those kind of bringing in different sensors into the platform to have a better experience. Um, it's, it's got a lot of value, but it's it's controlling the customer's um, ambition, shall we say, because it's guessing, yeah, we can do that, but yeah. let's let's do the first thing first. There's some, there's some really uh, some 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 deep learning in there for people that are because a lot of the people that I've interviewed on this show, for instance, have said they would have got help sooner, and for a lot of people that are creating online learning at the moment what they're realizing is that they don't have to be the expert in all of the different modules and sectors that they're actually creating. Cause there's someone out there who's actually done a good version of it already. And not only do you then partner with these people, but you also bringing in their audience and, and opening it up to them as well and vice versa. And it's a win-win situation. And, and, and when people get that, it's, it's a, like a big moment. It's like, Oh, and the way I explain that is like, if, if I go to your town and we're both in Northampton, if you come to Northampton and you say, right, I've got an hour, show me the highlights, you know, we're, we're going to be thinking right there's the rugby stadium there's the lift tower there's the nen there's the and but we don't you know we we would both 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 think it's like pretty much the similar sort of things right so don't reinvent the wheel like come up with your secret sauce and be the expert at that yeah. don't have to do everything people think they have to do everything yeah and that was that was that was our eureka moment yeah we were trying to oh look at the pretty lights over there look at the, and it was like well we know how to do this. Why are you not talking to us? And it's like, yeah. So IoT, I believe, is is around at the moment because it's still in its infancy. Yeah. You know, the, the billions and billions of connected devices we were promised has not happened yet. Uh, it will happen, but it's only going to happen if we build stronger solutions, stronger trusted solutions. There's no point in us building something and then finding out six months into a trial that we got it so wrong. But if we bring in specialists and partners who know around, you know, know they're part of the solution that they've focused on for years, then why try and reinvent the wheel? Yeah, it's, it's a case of working together. And I think that's the most exciting thing for me I've seen is I go to a lot of um, uh, digital, used to go to a lot of digital catapult setups uh, and uh, see the innovation that's happening. And there was so much going on where you think, God, this is amazing. I want to be part of that. I want to bring my bit. Or you think, well, that solution would really help me. Um, so, yeah, you, you, you're spot on. There is, there is a, a great knowledge share out there um, yeah. that can really help IoT. And which, of course, is, you know, the basis of what we're talking about anyway, because that's really what we what you you know, it's like the, the digital data that's talking to each other and sharing information and, and learning off each other, isn't it? So... Yeah. Okay, so what's been your best marketing tactic and why? And a supplementary question to that, what's been your worst marketing tactic uh, and why? <laughs> <laughs> well, 
we've actually kept it quite quiet. We've not tried to um, um, market ourselves heavily. We've kind of let people know what we're doing in certain sectors. And, and as you mentioned or alluded to, working with certain partners and bringing them on board, they open new marketing avenues in, anyway. So they kind of um, um, create their own marketing machine by bringing partners in. So, you know, we don't know anything about, say, agri-tech at all. But some of the partners we've worked with have been specialists in their sectors. Uh, for example, uh, we, uh, the poultry farm, and we did it with a, a, a very large veterinary service. You know, that was their speciality. And they created their own marketing strategy around how they was going to take the product to market. We kind of just sat in the background quite happily. So we've been quite quiet. Uh, we've been focusing on, on the mobile market because that's how what we know and how we think a majority of um, IoT will be delivered in the future. And the reason being is um, IT resellers or mobile phone resellers already have conversion started selling broadband, lease line, fiber, tech, all these kind of products into, into that sector anyway. So who, who are the end users going to go and speak to first is those people who are supplying technology to them anyway. Mm. So th that is how we wh what we focus on a, on a marketing strategy is into the mobile sector. Okay, and what's been your worst marketing strategy? Uh, oh. <laughs> Talk, being honest and talking about their mistakes, I, I would think. <laughs> you know, it's 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 not smoke and mirrors. You know, we all make mistakes. It's a, it's a new technology, yeah. and and I believe if you if you make a mess of something, you have to put your hands up and say, look. I have made a mess and maybe we have been a bit too open of saying we're still learning you know we, we haven't got it perfect we're still learning yeah. um so yeah may, maybe we shouldn't be so honest <laughs> in the future love it uh so what's been the biggest mental challenge as an entrepreneur and especially now because we've got it we've got a lot of the workforce is going to have to like work for themselves now yeah. um and there's obviously a mental challenge that goes with that for some people it's you know the loneliness for other people it's the it's the focus what has been your biggest mental challenge so so for us is 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 the fact it is quite a complex solution you're building it is really hands-on you know sitting around in a room discussing a a, a solution is what is needed for us because you you can sit and do 20 zoom calls in in a, in a week and not really get that spark from what you're trying to deliver um as a whole and you might miss some of that spark you know it, it just doesn't come along so the, the remote working really hasn't worked for us it's been it has been hard on trying to build new solutions like we've got some partners who we've onboarded and we've never met them, you know, and it, it, it really, really is hard. And as the months are going on and on, you know, personally, it, it is a struggle. You know, I, I thought I was fine up to about a month ago, but the last month that you know, I stand with my cup of coffee, looking out the window, thinking, oh, I want to go and see people. But, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I know we're all in the same boat, but um, yeah, it's uh, as a business um you know losing some of the people especially you know um the products that projects that have stalled because we've not been able to go and install the actual hardware yeah um you know it's completely different where we was um 
even six months ago, you know, our main focus was FM showing people how they were running their buildings. There's nobody in those buildings, um, that, you know, to, to monitor. But the silver lining for us is people are now going to want that data in the future around occupancy to see how their buildings in the future uh, are performing. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to know, and if I'm honest, it's, it's probably how much they're going to downsize in the future. You know, we're, we're all going to have home working as a percentage of their workforce foreseeable future um and it's a case of, okay we've got these these buildings that we're holding x amount of thousand people how big a building do we need in the future and what are we going to use those buildings for yeah um, so yeah it's just it's just a, well, it's a struggle for everybody but um for us it, it is hard with such complex products without sitting around together and building those solutions we kind of pull back all the, all the future um, um, projects we was working on and just focusing on, focusing on what we've got. So this next question, I, I want to kind of bring this back to the, uh, the Northampton Digital Hub, because this is something that you uh, helped set up with the university. Um, because the next question is, if you're in charge of UK business, what legislation would you <laughs> introduce to help entrepreneurs? But just kind of give us a brief introduction into why you set up the Northampton Digital um, website. Sure. So um, I was on a trip back from China and I got a DVT, deep vein thrombosis, which um, um, means I couldn't fly again for six months. So I was feeling very sorry for myself, um, sitting on my couch. <laughs> uh, and I, I was trying to work out what was going on locally. And I was really struggling with having to fly so much and um, going all over the world, speaking to different partners. Uh, and I realized that the IoT solutions that were the best ones we built was when we built it locally. So I reached out to um, um, a few friends and colleagues, local uh, MP and some other contacts I had uh, in local authority to try and find out what the digital strategy was for Northampton and what was going on locally. Uh, also spoke to some networking groups and uh, the chamber to try and find out again around digital what was going on and um, you know the chamber does a, a, a great job but yeah. obviously they've got everything from you know solicitors to hairdressers in the chamber there's not a, a real or sole focus on on digital uh, so I took it upon myself to go and start banging doors uh, around Northampton so I kind of um, took a sabbatical or part sabbatical for 12 months and just went to see what was going on around Northampton. Luckily, I was introduced to uh, Richard Beards at the uh, Northampton County Council and David there, uh, also um, uh, Ian at the um, university and a few others, and uh, also Andy at a company called uh, uh, Engine Creative. And they'd looked at it previously around trying to form some kind of digital hub uh, but there, there, there wasn't um, uh, a, a catalyst, I think, uh, to, to push it forward. And I kind of thought, well, I can talk about it, but will it get done if, if, if somebody doesn't push it forward? So between us as a group, we all had the same ethos that, um, you know, let's just get on and do it, <laughs> see what happens. So we started banging doors to find out what was going on around. The focus was at the first, at the first point around digital. So... Uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, uh, IoT, you know, some real emerging technologies. 
And I must admit, we was quite shocked at what is going on in Northampton. Uh, some amazing companies that me, myself, and all the others had never even heard of. And they were doing some great work, in incredible work, maybe, you know, working with some big brands internationally, but locally, nobody knew about them at all. Mm. Um, so we, we formed Digital Northampton to kind of bring the businesses together and start, uh, give them a platform to showcase locally what they were doing. Um, from the university's point of view, you, you know, they, they had a real interest because um, there was a brain drain. You know, you was getting students doing a degree uh, in, in some form of tech and then going away to the bright lights of London, literally because they didn't know what was going on in Northampton. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we, um, we started working hard and we put on, it would have been um, last year, uh, summer last year, an event called uh, Merge Futures, which was held at the um, uh, waterside uh, at the university. And it was a great event. We had about three or 400 people attend on the day. Uh, we had about 20 exhibitors, all focused on those core technologies. Hmm. Uh, we now have a directory of about 100 companies in Northampton who are working in tech and the idea was you know from the students point of view to let them know what was going on and just shout about Northampton let them help let people know not just at a local level but an international level and an international a global level that Northampton has got a lot to offer now we're in the middle of the Oxford Cambridge arc uh, and we kind of get overlooked quite a bit <clears throat> and uh, I wanted to change that. So that, that was my interest. Plus, I'm very lazy and I didn't want to be flying around the world anymore. It's great if I could go and find a partner who, you know, knew all about smart metering uh, down the road instead of having to get on a plane and uh, try and explain the project to somebody, you know, eight hours away. Love so that, yeah. that was my selfish reason <laughs> to do it. Fantastic. So, in in terms of like the legislation, I, I think what would um, what would be beneficial for Northampton? Sorry, I, I've, I've just got a bad connection then for a second. You just dropped out for one second. So, in, t in terms of legislation for UK business, what would be very useful for you know Northampton uh, digital businesses, IoT businesses? So, so for us, <clears throat> it, well, it has changed quite a lot. Um, you know, there is a lot going on in Northampton. Um, you know, Northampton is getting quite a lot of focus. So, for example, City Fibre invested 40 million in, mm. in putting fibre to the home over the next five years to, to every single home. And I, I think there is going to be a big push moving forward from where we are around dealing locally, partnering locally um, with local companies. So... I, I go on a lot of forums and see a lot of information around Innovate UK and um, some of the funding that's available out there. And there is a big focus on, on local, working local, sharing, knowledge sharing local. So I, th I think it is changing anyway. Um, you know, we, we've used, um, you know, China as our, as our manufacturing base for most of our products globally uh, and we've got used to that kind of um, uh, hotbed of manufacturing in, in the in the far east but uh, for us for IOT um, you know we want to work locally and uh, and I think there's a lot of incentives from the government to, to push that forward um, you know in, in, into partnerships mm. uh, I've literally just come off a call now and it was like 
yes, you know, uh, Innovate UK and all those guys who are do doing great work of promoting UK industry. So it, it will change, I think. Now, this one's going to be a bit of a tricky one because the, the, the traditional question on this one is what will your industry look like in 50 years from now? But I think even 10 years from now is a, tr is a tricky one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Give it a go. <laughs> well, the thing is, is I, I don't know any other industry which is, is, is fast moving as ours. Yeah. You, you could put that down to 12 months. What is going, our industry going to be like in 12 months? So, for example, <clears throat> 5G. 5G. 18 months ago, nobody had heard of 5G, I'd say, or very few people. But it's now on your doorstep. I, I um, haven't got it in my home, but you more than likely um, in Northampton, we've, we've got about 40% coverage of 5G. It's just so fast. You know, that rollout, that, that, that rollout of the technology is incredible. So then you look at 5G, you think, well, this, this space, these speeds and the low latency you can give um, for moving the data is phenomenal. What is going to be next? What will be the next one? 6G. You know, it's, it's a case of, it's just incredible. One of the things that I really struggle with in my mind is how fast technology has moved. And I have a big argument with my family, and my, especially my wife, who says, stop talking like this, because I can remember the days of the Spectrum ZX81. Oh, yes. Look at the graphics. Chucky egg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I look at the, the graphics uh, that was available then. You think, okay, move 40 years forward and look what we've got now with virtual reality mm -hmm. uh, and the new Oculus headsets and all the stuff that's coming out. And they're so immersive that, you know, I, I've put on these headsets and within five seconds, you're in another world and you forget yeah. about reality. You think that is 40 years. What will it be like in 40 years time? Will we be able to differentiate between virtual reality and real life? But yeah, that's a, that's a whole other story. It could send you crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, it is so fast moving. You know, some of the stuff we see is just phenomenal. And, you know, as, as phones and screens and everything just gets better and better. And we're not talking like, you know, years and years. It's constant. You know, you, you buy the latest phone with a certain processing speed. Within months of that being released, that's outdated. And the next one's out there. Mm. Um, and, you know, um, virtual reality, going back to virtual reality, the, the, the difference between real life and virtual reality because the experience is getting so clean and crisp now, yeah. you know, you, you can't tell. For example, movies, you know, you, you look at movies and they're CGI. You, you can't tell if something's real or not. No. And I think that will seep into real life as well. It'll be like, am I really seeing a table out there? Or is that a, is that a virtual reality table? But yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's uh, exciting. It's it's wonderful and scary at the same time, but uh, you know, as my cousin who who uh, works for the the Secret Service, he is actually a rocket scientist, okay. uh, <laughs> and uh, not a brain surgeon, but a rocket scientist. He said, uh, "If if the bad people knew what was in my head, we'd all be screwed." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. What is your favourite business book and why? Right. I'm going to shock you now. I'm going to sort. I've never actually read a business book ever, Ooh. ever. No, not at all. Never took any guidance. And I see this is going to be awful. You know, there's so many business coaches out there. So many. Ah, oh, I'm going to get slated for this. But yeah, I, I've just gone with my gut feeling always, always, always. Just got on with it and decided. Okay, 
I've stuck in the same industry for, for such a long time. I've got a good network of people who, who, who I work with. They know we would deliver what we say we were going to deliver. And, you know, I've always been honest and as straightforward as possible. Um, and it's done me good so far, you know, and I think I'm a bit too late in life to try and change. I don't think I'll ever go and work for, uh, you know, another company, hopefully. Um, but no, I've never took advice uh, from a book. You know, I've met some great people who've given me some gems of knowledge. Um, but yeah, being true to yourself and just, you know, going with that gut feeling. Well, I'll tell you what, in, in that gap, I'm going, to, I'm going to plug my own then, because my first book, Do Nothing, is all about how you can trust your intuition. And the second oh. book, The Entrepreneur Success Formula, is how you can then take that into business. So there you go. <laughs> I, might, I might go and buy those as my first two books. Tell you what, I'll send, I'll send you both of them as a gift. Great. Thank you. <laughs> are, you, <laughs> are you a night owl or an early bird? And what is your routine for either? Okay, definitely a night owl. Uh, for those who know me well and know... So I've just joined BNI and we do a 6.45 meeting. And the first time I went into it, when I got introduced to it by um, uh, my accountant, he said, come on, on to this meeting. It's at 6.45 on a Tuesday. So there I log on, 6.45 in the evening, waiting for everybody to join. No one's there. And then I message them and they go, no, it's in the morning. 6.45 in the morning. <laughs> no. And I, I so wished I'd <laughs> read, read the small print before I signed up. Yeah. Oh, it's an A, not a P. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I do the lunchtime one. <laughs> now then, if, you, if uh, there was, what is your favourite business or entrepreneurial movie, or any movie that has a, a kind of a metaphor in it that uh, is relevant? Uh, I'm going to. I can never remember the name. I always. It's not Get Shorty. It's the the Big Short. I think it's called. Uh, which is the, the the story about the um, uh, subprime disaster? Oh, okay. um, and, and it was absolutely fantastic. Oh, amazing story! And it was how the banking industry just sold all these bad mortgages. Um, and it was like, as, as a business story, it was like how people just got thrown in it was like we have to get involved you know we have to be toe the line else it will all collapse mm. and it's such a big, amazing or scary business story of like how the banking system um you know destroyed the economy just because they were they, everybody was forced into doing it nobody could back out and no there was no whistleblowers or anything for years uh and it just um obviously caused a big collapse um, a decade ago but that was probably my my favorite film make sure you get the name of that and i'll put it in the show notes and also on the, yes. the ever-growing list of movies and books uh to uh, to send out to people so um and if they made a movie about you and your business who would play you in the starring role <laughs> how vain do you want me to be but um, <laughs> um daniel craig yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we all aspire to, you know, being healthy and um, but, um, I don't know, Daniel Craig, if, if, if uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, brilliant. I don't, David Tennant can play anyone at the moment because he's just an brilliant. incredible actor. So uh, he's fantastic. He's amazing, him. isn't he? Um, right. What are your plans for expansion? I'm not even going to say exit because I think you're like me. You're, you'll, you'll carry on doing this until the day you die because you love it. So what are your plans for expansion? 
but that, that, funny enough, I was supposed to be sitting on a beach somewhere and it wasn't until, uh, I was going to say like two or three years ago, and I just got so excited about the technology and I just thought, I can't miss out on this. I, 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 I want to I wanna carry on. Yeah. So, um, you know, for us, we, we, we have spent the last two or three years learning our art and growing steadily without running. Uh, we have run before, before we couldn't on, on, on previous projects and companies. And I actually quite like, or I'm lucky enough to be in a position where we choose who we work with, who we partner with. And there's so much value to that. Um, so we are plodding along quite nicely, growing the business, taking on people slowly, especially at the moment, you know, we're slowly, slowly uh, having people come back, um, back into the company, which is great. Uh, but our, as ours is project-led, um, you know, uh, it, it is hard times out there. Um, but we, we're just quite happy with the partners and what we're bringing into the system um, and watch it grow organically. So, yeah, we're in no, no big rush at the moment. Uh, quite lucky the way we are uh, structured. Um, we're looking to hopefully open an office back in Northampton soon. Uh, so I can then um, start getting all those people back in and uh, seeing their faces and uh, getting some strategy over the next 12 months, what we're going to do. But uh, yeah, we're quite a small team at the moment. Uh, there's only seven of us. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, we, we, we just um, slowly um, carrying on as we were before. Fantastic. Well, that's been brilliant. And uh, uh, some superb nuggets in there. I've just been making a few notes of uh, where they are so I can sit those in the highlights uh, to promote the show because this is what we're doing now. Um, what if, you're, if our listeners want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? So um, iris-iot.com is our website. Uh, you can see some great insights to the solutions we've provided previously and what we're working on. Uh, as I say, we're, we're quite open on where we're at. We've got some such exciting projects. There are some I can't talk about, which will go up in the next couple of months. But again, just fantastic innovation going on. Mm -hmm. uh, but also, you know, as I said earlier, we're all about um, working together. So anybody locally at all who's involved in tech, IoT, doesn't matter if it if it's cloud or programming or whatever, you know, please reach out. There is the digitalnorthampton.com website as well, where for if you're based in Northamptonshire, it's a free service where you can get listed on there on the directory. So anybody who's looking to look um, look for other businesses locally, have a look at that, which is uh, digitalnorthampton.com. Um, but yeah, um, on the website there's a contact form. Uh, and obviously LinkedIn, Stephen Wesley um, at um, Iris IoT. Fantastic, Stephen. Thank you so much for taking this brief delve into the real lives of real entrepreneurs. And can I ask that you and anyone listening share this product uh, and this podcast? Product? <laughs> what are you going about? <laughs> this podcast with anyone who works hard and uh, you know you think might even want to become an entrepreneur, or maybe we'll have to in the next few uh, weeks and months. Uh, please like us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube and iTunes as we're going out on both, and make sure you hit the subscribe button for both. If you would like to take part in this show, please drop me an email at Damien with an A at RethinkingBusiness.biz, and we can have a chat. Steve. Even here's to your future success and uh, speak to you soon. Thanks, Damien.